0: All right, here we go on the first Sunday morning in March in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman and coming to you live from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio. This is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Also here is our social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Okay. <laughs> also here, producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who, aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, also serves as locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network and the UNLV football pre free game show host on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We're also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp. studio line is 702-876-1340. And uh, What's On Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Uh, Residential Bank Corp. funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On Tap, March Madness might be a dramatic understatement with all that's happening here in Las Vegas this month and this weekend. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights now have four goalies that are NHL caliber. One is a two-time Stanley Cup champion, and another had had the best game of his career Friday night, and this is Aiden Hill after that game.
1: Uh, I felt like I had a good game, and, you know, at the end of it, we got the win, that's all that matters, but I know it was a fun game out there, I mean... Lately, it's been feeling like our playoff hockey as we're leading up to the playoffs, and uh, yeah, tonight was another playoff-type game, just like uh, the other night against Carolina.
0: Playing well just a little bit. Both UNLV men's and women's basketball teams are gearing up for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And both head coaches, Kevin Krueger and Lindy LaRock, will be joining today's show in just a little while. That is what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Uh, call 702-964-5720 for details on current home financing options in the state of Nevada and real quick. Um, Man, what a weekend in Las Vegas. Every year at this time, I say the same thing, but you have so many things going on. You have Big League weekend up at the Las Vegas ballpark. The Reds are in town, and so are the Oakland A's. Split squads, but still really cool. You're seeing a lot of Major League ball ballplayers. Uh, they go at it to- today. Again, I believe uh, uh, first pitch is at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Um, so another chance to see them in a couple weeks down the road. There'll be another Big League weekend. Uh, the Kansas City Royals. And who are they playing, Chris? Do you know? Colorado Rockies. Yeah, the, the Rockies, and that's in a couple weeks. Jim Jem is going to join the show next We're the uh, next week the Director of uh, Media Relations for the Las Vegas Aviators, and uh, just a lot of fun. Great ballpark, great time. Yesterday, you couldn't have asked for better weather. Maybe a little bit windy, but if you sat like in, where the sun was, it was a great day, man. I was out there, really enjoyed myself. Also, you have NASCAR weekend going on. Uh, today is the Pennzoil 400 out at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Joey Logano is on the pole. Should be a hell of a time out there. I can't make it to anything. <laughs> Just one thing after another. Also, you've got all these college conference tournaments going on from everywhere. Dollar Loan Center, the Orleans, T-Mobile Arena, Mandalay Bay Event Center, and the Thomas and Mack. Take your pick. Great conference tournaments all beginning right now. The um, Mountain West Women's Conference Tournament begins today at the Thomas and Mack Center. And definitely check it out. Again, we're going to have Lindy Lark on in a little while. But um, UNLV Women's Team, one of the hottest teams in the country, 19 straight women Wins for them, two losses on the year, twenty eight and two didn't lose a single game in the Mountain West Conference. But again, we'll talk about that in a little while. And also, a huge win for the men's basketball team yesterday um, in Reno. They swept their. Uh, Interstate rivals this year And uh, that was a game nobody saw coming Reno was undefeated at home before UNLV Get out there, so looking forward to talking to Kevin I know he's got to be very happy Especially after that absolute egg That they laid uh, here In their senior night against Utah State Last week um, Just what a turnaround in, in a couple of days Almost almost spe- spectacular Truly, and last night's UFC uh, 285 John Jones, first round submission Of Cyril Gane. Um for the heavyweight title, and I got to tell you guys, just to talk about this fight for a little bit, um, you know, it's the first time in three years John Jones is back in the, it was back in the octagon, uh, this time as a heavyweight and fighting for the title right off the get-go, as we mentioned, uh, the UFC heavyweight crown was vacant, and Jones weighing in at 248 pounds, the last time I saw that guy fight two years, or I think three years ago, he was 205 pounds, so he's definitely put on a lot of bulk, and, um, you know he put uh he put um uh gone in the like the guillotine chokehold, literally two o four mark of the first period he submitted him everyone thought he was gonna win um he was he was gonna win it, but what they didn't think was you're gonna have um you know that that dramatically. I mean, that quickly. I know he was outmatched. And you know, the funny thing is, is Jones was saying it was kind of pre-fight hype, but he told everyone that would listen to him the fight was going to be easy and that the fight uh, was a mismatch. And he went out and proved that last night. I actually watched it, and it was like I thought, man, if I had gone to this, I'd be pretty pissed off. I mean, t- two minutes, it's over. Yeah, it was a good, quick fight, but you want to see more than that. And uh, but Jones was saying it was a mismatch, and um, again, took. It two minutes after three years away to become the heavyweight champion. Uh, this was probably the most impressive performance of John Jones's career, and the guys had a lot of impressive performances, like 15 uh, successful title bout matches, uh, almost unprecedented what this guy's done in his career. And after the fight, all he could talk about was getting a chance to fight Stipe, Um, I, I think it's Minocic. Miosic. yeah. And uh, this guy's unbelievable. He is currently probably people regard as the best heavyweight out there right now. John Jones wants to take him out. I'm guessing that fight's going to probably take place this summer. But this was afterwards when Dana White talked Dana White to him about talked. that.
2: One of the conversations was about you fighting during International Fight Week in July and possibly fighting former champion Stipe Miocic. What do you think about that?
3: Oh, yeah, baby. Y'all want to see me beat up Stipe? One thing I know about the UFC
2: is we give the fans what they want to see. Stipe Miocic, I hope you're training, my guy. You're the greatest heavyweight of all time, and that's what I want. I want
0: you real bad. You know, that should be a hell of a fight. Miocic poses a lot more problems than Gon posed, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It might even be one that I might have to attend my first UFC fight. Well, that's not true. I've attended a couple of others, but I will say my first one in probably. Got five six years, so uh, that should be a hell of a fight. And two heavyweights going at it. And right now, uh, John Jacob uh, excuse me, John Jones, a legit heavyweight, two forty eight, cool fight. And we'll check that out. Um, listen, well, let's get right into it, guys. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, you talk about. You know, it's it's a crazy because they start out their their inaugural season here in Las Vegas just completely on fire. They go to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year, and we would think, wow, especially after the October. October 1st tragedy across the Mandalay Bay. Across Mandalay Bay, Just, it couldn't have been better or a more magical season. And you think, you know, what's going to keep getting this team and making them better and better? Uh, can they eventually win a Stanley Cup? I don't know how you, you surpass that. Well, this season, I've never seen a team after a break Play this well. They have gotten points in every game except for one since the All Star break. Um, in their last in the, in their last eleven games, I mean, this team is truly uh, on fire right now. And um, I think uh, in their last eleven games, dating back. To, uh, right after the All-Star break They're 8-1-2 A lot of overtime games uh, Finally won a playoff shootout game On uh, Friday night Which was one of the best games I've seen in my life By a goaltender in Aiden Hill Just absolutely incredible And uh, let's go ahead and get to Nightcap Nightcap Hockey players as you know Are warriors They
1: don't give up They come to play every game
3: it's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we we'll have a different story if he didn't play how he did, and, you know, good for him. Uh, you know, unbelievable game, and, you know, the danger chances isn't how we are as a team, and, you know, it's going to happen in this league where you're not going to have your game, and goalie be able to sell it? So it was. Uh, You know, a big win, big two points for us uh, to find a way to get the two points.
0: Ray McNabb talking about uh, how big the game was for Aiden Hill, for all of them, uh, you know, they got the two points they wanted against New Jersey, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, hell one of the best teams in the National Hockey League this year Uh, you know, other than maybe a slight goaltender issues for New Jersey, this is a team that really could make a run, and you've seen them building this team up over the past couple years Um, you know, getting Timo Meyer as Mag said last week, he thought that's where he was going to end up, he did, and it's a a hell an addition that guy you know brings the ability to put the puck in the net and also brings a toughness to him that we've seen for years with the San Jose Sharks this is a really good hockey player and um, we got to you know uh, we got to see the New Jersey Devils at their best for a while and really it looked like a lopsided game if you look the shots on goal especially in overtime seven goals seven shots to none you would be absolutely shocked at what you saw but the bottom line is um, it was a great game and Chris you know, Shea Theodore, you know, this isn't the first time he has won a playoff game, or excuse me, not a playoff game, but a game in a in a shootout. He seems to be able to put the nut puck in the net. We know he's a defenseman. We know this guy is an offensive-minded defenseman, although he's a great two-way player. But the bottom line is, he is one of the most creative goal scorers on this team.
3: Yeah, the funny thing is, uh, I went to the Devils morning skate, and I was talking with some of the Devils... Um television guys and they were asking me for a scouting report on the golden knights and you know they said oh we know jack eichel and you know we don't get to see the the, the golden knights a lot so who's someone that that we should watch and i said well watch say theodore he's the guy who kind of stirs the drink i said you know their their top six is, or or their their blue line is among the the the, the top uh blue lines in the entire nhl from top to bottom i mean even Nick Hague and Zach Whitecloud are, are are phenomenal, but I told them I said, "Listen, will watch out for Shea Theodore." And sure enough, Shea scores the the shootout goal in overtime to to win the game for the Golden Knights. But uh, Brian, the one thing with New Jersey is, man, Jack Hughes and Dawson Mercer—that is going to be a combination to watch for many many yeah. years. As those two kids, they're, I think they're 21. Both of them yeah. are 21. And Dawson Mercer has scored now in eight straight games, which is a New Jersey Devils record, which is pretty crazy considering that this is a team that's yeah. won three Stanley Cups in the last you know a few decades. You know they they've been among the best in that department. Uh, but you know the, the the Golden Knights they 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 probably didn't play their best game on Friday night. I thought New Jersey really took it to them, especially in the first period. But Aiden Hill stood tall and and he was phenomenal in overtime. He made a couple of big saves and. And Brian, you know, I, I saw a lot of people blaming Aiden Hill for them losing that game in Colorado uh, last week. Well, the reality is Aiden Hill won that game on Friday against the New Jersey Devils. So it's kind of funny how how things work work out sometimes, where where they even out over the course of not even a few a few weeks, a few nights. Um, look, th- this team is playing really well. I think the additions that they made of Tay Bluger and um, Ivan Barbashev are, are going to help Teddy Bluger as a guy who who, I I, I a grinder.
0: Only, I kind of liked him when he was in Pittsburgh. You know, um, people are looking, Chris, at the fact he only has two goals. I don't this care. I don't care about Watch what that. he does, what, 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 and what, he wins draws too, Chris. You well, know he's not a guy
3: that can't win a draw. You know what's funny is is you talk about that, and and on Friday night in overtime, the devil sent out the same center every time for a draw in overtime, and he went 4-0. He won all four draws, and he went right off the ice as soon as he won the draw. So those guys are very, very important, guys who can win draws. And Teddy Bluger is that guy. He kind of reminds me a bit of Pierre-Edward Belmar in the sense that his role is defined. He's going to be big on the penalty kill. He's going to be huge on draws. He's going to be there for, you know, Support on the fourth more line, more
0: physicality, Chris, which but, is what you need as you yeah. head to the postseason. But but he's 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 a guy who
3: sometimes you know people people only look at goals and assists, and they think that's what
0: determines a good hockey player, and that's that's not the case. Well, there's intangibles, and we're going to talk about the new guys in, in a little bit uh, because I actually I heard uh, Jonathan Marceau actually talked about uh, his new line mate in and, uh, and Barbashev, who is uh, a hell of a hockey player himself and another double-digit goal scorer this year. Uh, I guess it counts. He's on the Golden Knights now, so you could say they've added another double-digit goal scorer. But, you know, Chris, you talked about Shea, uh, excuse me, Aiden Hill, and I did not... You know, I don't want to say I didn't have the balls to ask this question, but I just didn't feel right asking this question in the press conference or after the first game to Aiden Hill. But I felt it, and I think a lot of people in there, if they're being honest with themselves, felt it. You know, We talked about Jonathan Quick a little bit last week and how even though he was going to the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, there was rumor that he could circle back and end up a Vegas Golden Knight, which is what happened. And I told people, hey, no offense to Michael Hutchinson, but I'd have traded a 30-year-old Michael Hutchinson for a 70-year-old Jonathan Quick. You're talking about a guy that has won two Stanley Cups that should be regarded as one of the top 10, maybe even the top 7 goaltender of all time for what he did in those two Cup runs, especially the first one, where they were the seed, made the playoffs on either the last day or the second-to-last day of the regular season, and went on to win the Stanley Cup out of the eight-hole. And Jonathan Quick got MVP. He won the Vesna Trophy. And The bottom line is the guy was absolutely... When they say lights out or standing on your head, I don't think there's ever been a better example of what Jonathan Quick did in 2012 when the LA Kings won their first Stanley Cup. This is a guy that brings playoff experience, that brings leadership, and, and more than any Anything else, Chris, is everybody respects Jonathan Quick. This is a guy you are going to respect. And here's the thing when you talk about uh, Jonathan Quick, too. And I said this. After the game, I did not bring it up in the postgame press conference. I was sitting there, and I'm like, no, you know what? I'm not going to do it. But I wanted to say, do you feel that Jonathan Quick paid dividends right off the get-go? Because here's the bottom line. I've watched Aiden Hill play a few times in San Jose. I didn't see him play a lot there. We've definitely seen him play a decent amount this year for the Vegas Golden Knights. And Aiden Hill at times has showed some real quality goaltending. He made that you know he made some made some really incredible saves over his time. He's also let some bad pucks in the net. And now knowing that you have Logan Thompson, who will return before the end of the season, I don't see a reason that he wouldn't. Laurent Brosois on the shelf. I don't think it's for a long time. You've got Aiden Hill, but now you add Jonathan Quick to the mix. Those are four NHL-caliber goaltenders. You know, if I'm one of those goaltenders, you can only dress two. Maybe you can make one a healthy scratch, but one of those four guys is going to be playing at least one of the four, if not two of them, will be in Henderson when the postseason starts for the Vegas Golden Knights. And if all four of them are healthy, that is, two of them will probably be in Henderson or one will be a healthy scratch. You can only dress two goaltenders. So here's the deal. You're Aiden Hill, you're looking at this, you're like, wow, you know what? Logan Thompson was number one when he got here. Laurent Brosois came back up, and in, in the short window, we had to see Laurent brossois He played really good. The hip is 100% healthy, and this guy looks like he could be an everyday goaltender. And then you've got Aiden Hill. You almost were going to say he's the odd man out. He for sure is going to be number four. And that's kind of where I had him when I heard they brought Jonathan Quick in. Like, they didn't bring this guy in to just sit there and do nothing. So, matter of fact, he gets his first start today, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the bottom line is, I said he paid dividends because Aiden Hill knew this. And Aiden Hill met him. They had, He said they had dinner together. And it's like, holy cow, I got to play a lot better, man. I have got to play my best. And you want to talk about bringing out someone's best. I believe Jonathan Quick is the reason Aiden Hill, or at least a Good portion of the reason Aiden Hill played as well as he did on Friday night. You know you got this guy Lumen. You know everyone in the league respects this guy. And I'm about to start in front of him against one of the best teams in the NHL this year. I better bring my bring my game. And you know what he did against the New Jersey team that just flat out outplayed the Golden Knights. It was a lethargic game for the Knights. Hell, they were outshot seven nothing in the overtime period. I don't think they played more than 30 seconds of those five minutes of overtimes in the Golden Knights zone. They seem to be in, I mean, excuse me, in the New Jersey Devil's zone. They seem to be in the Golden Knights zone the entire time. And again, Aiden Hill just continued to say, no, I'm not letting a puck in the net. And some of these saves were as good as it gets. And against a team like this that's firing in all cylinders, as you mentioned, Chris, you got guys like a Jack, Jack Hughes, you know, that are that are exceptional. A guy like Dawson Mercer, two up and young, young great hockey players, and this this guy just simply said no, and in the in the over, when they go to the shootout, four saves by Aiden Hill. Where before he wasn't that good in the last shootout, in this one he was spectacular. And after the game, a lot of guys had stuff to say about Aiden Hill, starting with Bruce Cassidy, who uh, you know when he's asked about it, he tried to downplay it a little bit, but hard to downplay how good this guy played. Well, tonight
2: he put in overtime. I, I thought the Carolina game, there wasn't a lot of work to be honest with you, after the first 10 minutes. Made stops early until we got our legs under us and then I thought it was one of our, it was the ante tonight, it was a great checking game for us, really limited the other team. Um, didn't get in any penalty kill situations. But tonight was uh, a game that we just, you know, we weren't prepared to play, so we'll, we'll all take the you know, blame for that. and. What I mean to all of us is, you know, we got to prepare the players. They got to be ready, right, this time of year. But Aiden sure was. And um, you know, great performance. You know, I will say this last time up in Jersey, I, I thought we played a pretty good game. We ended up losing overtime with a penalty and then a four on three in the nice school, So maybe it's a little bit of karma that we got the win tonight when they were clearly better than us for the most part. I thought in the middle of the game, you know, we found our game, started playing with some emotion. But um, overtime, it was just one save after the other and obviously the shootout. So good for Aiden, Aaron, whatever you want to call him. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was really on tonight
0: and, and uh, full value. You know, we needed it. Yeah, they did and a lot of players had something to say about uh, about Aiden Hill's performance. One of them being um, Braden McNabb after the game. You know, he said it was a goalie win and it was and this is Brayden after the game.
2: Yeah, uh, it was, I, I mean, you know, like it to be the other way, obviously, but he's keeping it in the game like that, and grinding, grinding for us and helping us get that extra point is huge. You know. So, you know, he was, he, was, he was unbelievable tonight, so good for him.
0: Uh, good for him, to say the least. And I mentioned, you know, Aiden Hill had a chance to meet Jonathan Quick and have a meal with him. And uh, after the game, this is what he had to say about meeting Jonathan Quick and what he thought about him being a Vegas Golden Knight.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I uh, got to meet and have breakfast with him yesterday at the rink, and uh, he's a great guy. I mean, can already see it I've heard we have a lot of guys here who have played with him in the past and uh, he's a good leader a lot of experience I mean he has two Stanley Cups under his belt so uh, yeah he's a great guy and a great goalie so I'm happy to be uh, sharing out with him
0: he's happy to be sharing the net with them, but he's happy as hell he played the way against New Jersey that he did on Friday night, because uh, he'll probably get more of an opportunity to share. I, I, You know, it's a great problem to have, but I'm just wondering when if, when, and if all, these, all four of these guys are healthy at the same time, who is the guys in the playoffs? And I gotta say, right now, it's crazy that I'm gonna say this. We're gonna see what Jonathan Quick has today against Montreal, but right now, the gut feeling tells me in Bruce Cassidy's mind, at least, hey, I've got two great goaltenders on standby, but Jay, you know the, the bottom line is Logan Thompson has been our guy from day one. If he comes back, he's healthy and he's ready. He's going to go in net number one, and I believe Jonathan Quick will be on the bench behind him in the postseason. I just think that's kind of Bruce Cassidy's thought right now, but you know what? Aiden Hill and Laurent Brossois both have something to say about that, because when Logan Thompson comes back, it is going to be a heated Goaltender competition to see who's going to represent them between the pipes in the postseason. It's going to be pretty interesting to see. We talked about uh, three new acquisitions uh, that will be playing immediately. At, you know, right up to the trade deadline. The Golden Knights were making moves to try to shore up this team. They did. They got. Uh, you know, as as Chris talked a lot about um, uh, Teddy uh, um, Blueger He is a grinder, a guy that wins faceoffs, a guy that'll go into the corner. Not going to score a lot for you, but an ultimate team player that really happy to have him and Ivan Barbashev this is a guy that can play that can put the puck in the net and that's indicative of, of uh, you can look at the lines and you can see that uh, you know Barbashev was on the first line with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchso. and after the game so talked about having his about new teammate, his new teammate. Uh, uh, Barbashev and what he means to this team,
2: to this team. yeah I mean uh, he's one of those guys that makes all the little plays out there you know he just uh, he has uh, that veteran presence on the ice and he's uh, a lot of poise he plays hard too so uh, uh, when uh, you when there was you there's always rumors out there right but uh, we knew that that's uh, the kind of guy that we needed and uh, he's gonna be a huge factor for us
0: you know he's he's big and it's big for them to have him. It's big to get this guy in the team, and that's what you are looking for. Is you're looking for players that can mesh and can gel. He's got a lot of NHL experience. Again, Barbashev could put, can put the puck in the net, and he's going to be huge for this team. And of course, Jonathan Quick, as I said, I think paid dividends right off the get go Friday night. I you know I'm giving all the credit in the world to a- Aiden Hill, but I do think when you are pushed by a guy like Jonathan Quick, and he's there watching you in a huge game for the Vegas Golden Knights coming off that disappointing loss uh, uh or you know, well, actually they they, had, they had beaten Carolina in a big game but this could have been a letdown game especially as poorly as they played on the ice. In that first period they were just outshot like 4 to 1. It was terrible. Second period they got their legs a little bit, but they go into the third period they didn't really look that good. Managed to keep the game, you know, to keep the game even, getting it into overtime and again, overtime um you know, it was all played in the Vegas Golden Knights zone. So tremendous amount of credit to this guy. Listen, and this week it's going to be tough. Vegas Golden Knights uh, today against Montreal. You get an opportunity if you're down there to see Jonathan Quick start in his first game as a Vegas Golden Knight. And it's going to be a telltale sign. He's not going up against the toughest opponent in Montreal but um, it's going to be a good test for them. they got a guy like Nick Suzuki a former Vegas Golden Knight that is uh, one of the better players in the NHL right now and getting better every season. Also uh, they you know after tonight's game or I should say this afternoon's game, they go on the road for five straight and this week Tuesday night against Florida in Florida they play at Tampa Bay on Thursday and at Carolina on Saturday and next, next Sunday at st. Louis. Uh, it's a hell of a week a busy week for the Vegas Golden Knight 20 regular season games left and if they continue, To uh, get the goaltending that they've been getting and play the way they have been playing since the All-Star break, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference. A lot of good teams. What's really cool is I look and I see like eight teams that could potentially win the Stanley Cup this year. And we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the playoffs, but really exciting for the Vegas Golden Knights. Great game Friday night. Like I said, hats off, shoes off, everything off to Aiden Hill. One of the best performances I have seen live by a goaltender, especially in that five-minute overtime, three-on-three period. He was just completely impermeable. And they're going to need that from him and the other three guys, netminders, if they're going to make a run at the Stanley Cup. But again, anyone out there that doesn't think Jonathan Quick was a great pickup because he's 37. His goals against average has been not good the last couple of years. This guy has the heart of a champion. He's a two-time champion, and when he was in his prime, he was one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. I still believe there's a little gas in his tank, kind of like Marc-Andre Fleury. He was shunned by the Penguins. They let him go. He came to Vegas and hell. I'll bet in a couple of years after he retires, they'll probably erect a statue to him in front of T-Mobile Arena. And oh, For only three seasons of work here, in Vegas, but again, he was supposed to be washed up Past, well past his prime and Vegas Golden Knights you know, got him as an afterthought and look what happens. Well, I think we're going to see the, maybe something similar with Jonathan Quick. I'm not talking about a three-year run. I'm talking about a one-year run and when you can win, you want to win right now and that's what the Golden Knights did by going out and getting Jonathan Quick. Is They're saying we needed a veteran goaltender with postseason experience in the National Hockey League that can pot- potentially get this team where Bill Foley wants and expects them to be and that is st- Stanley Cup champions. This is as good of a year as any, and again, I think that was a great acquisition at the trade deadline to go ahead and get him. Listen, let's waste no more time. Let's get out to uh, to our uh, Streamyard line and get uh, Coach Kevin Kruger on the line. Uh, just back in from Reno, and Coach, I'm really happy about this interview. I, I be, if I'm being straight, you know, there's no way I thought we'd be talking about a UNLV victory over Reno today, simply because not just because of the way maybe the way UNLV performed in their last home game, but UNR is on a roll. They were undefeated at home to this point in time. Yeah, they had just lost to Wyoming on the road. Not a good loss for them, but you expected them to come back full gear, and they had a revenge factor. UNLV beat them this year at the Thomas and back, but to sweep UNR, Kevin, and uh, you know to be able to get a win like that right before the Mountain West Conference, I can't imagine you could have asked for or expected better results.
1: No, just uh, really proud and happy for the guys to compete. You know, uh, just knew uh, with the atmosphere and the and the game and the the rivalry that uh, the guys have done really well in those situations. You know, when there's uh, there's been electricity and a buzz in the arena, and uh, guys just went out and played really well.
0: Yeah, Kevin, what was it? I mean, before this game, did did you feel, because, you know, you said after the Utah State game, you know, it just didn't feel right. It just had a bad energy about it almost from the get-go, and it was one of those things kind of like that quicksand effect, just one thing would go wrong after another. You know, you made a little run in the second half, but then it was just a complete debacle for you, and you could see it after the game. Everyone was disheartened, and we'll play what Justin Webster had to say in a little bit because, to me, I thought it was one of the coolest things I'd ever heard by a college athlete and I was so proud of him for doing that where you know a lot of people said whoa you know taken back by it maybe at the beginning of it, but it was cool we'll get to that in a minute but did you sense something different than this game yesterday because your team came out they got right out to a double digit lead and then when they lose that lead in the second half they had the wherewithal to gather it back in and, and do enough to get them to overtime and then to find a way to win an OT yeah
1: I think uh, you know we knew we needed to get off to a good start you guys recognize that but uh, the prep leading up to the reno game was 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 really good uh, there was a lot of intensity uh guys were, were locked in because uh, like you say anybody that's followed this group this year knows that uh, competing hasn't been the issue and uh, so to come out and and compete the way that the, the guys did uh, yesterday was was somewhat expected but by no means was a, was it not good to see um, especially you know taking that and, and going into this uh, few days of prep getting ready for the tournament
0: yeah, I mean, like I like I said, I was telling people yesterday after after I saw the score, I was out at the Las Vegas ballpark. I didn't get to see the game. I went back. I saw highlights. I looked at the box score. You know, got to say again surprised. And after the Utah State game, again, I mentioned Justin Webster. You want to talk about a leader and a class act. This kid to step up there and no need to do this. Don't have to apologize to anybody. They put in work that we don't see all the time in practices. These guys literally live, eat, breathe, sleep basketball. And so to come out and make, you know, apologize. You don't have to apologize to anybody, but he did. And this is a a clip of Justin Webster after the game. There's actually two clips and then one of Coach Kruger. Uh, Justin, uh, excuse me, Um, Spencer, go ahead and play them all at once.
2: Uh, I mean, we haven't played like that. all. Oh, I think that's the worst game we've played. Oh, that's the worst game I've ever been a part of in my life. So I think everybody in that locker room can, um, can say the same thing. And so um, I just feel like it was right for me to come out and say that. That's just, you know, that's not right to uh, you guys. It's not right to the people that come to support us. So, um, it's only right for right me you know. Everybody out there, um, as a the leader of this team, we apologize for uh, the way we present ourselves tonight. Um, that's not basketball. That's not, you know, we basketball. And so, um, you know, it starts with us as we as a team. Um, you know, we'll take that.
1: We'll take that version. So, we apologize for that. Yeah, I mean, you just never really want to have a performance like that, uh, regardless of what it is. So, like Webb said, we'll just, uh, you know, watch it and get after it tomorrow and see what we can do going forward.
0: Yeah, Kevin, I think everyone was so distraught after that game. That's one of those games where it just has to absolutely suck to have to go talk in the press conference. You just want to go. You want to start immediately preparing for the next game. You, you made a statement in the press conference, and I liked it as well. You said, hey, we can't just brush this game under the rug. We've got to use it. We've got to look at it and learn from it. And, I, again, I just don't know how you turned it around the way you did against UNR. And and, and, and like I said, bodes well for this team going forward. Reflect on this season a little bit, Kevin. 10-0 and to start the season, Eleven and one, and then things kind of changed a little bit. Talk about the progression. I mean, because at the beginning of the season, everyone was so high. You had some Power Five conference wins over Minnesota, over Washington State. You beat Dayton when they were one of the top twenty-five teams in the country at the time that you played them. And then, of course, the big Reno win at home. Some quality wins, but talk about the ebb and flow of the season.
1: Yeah, I think you just you said it. You know, perfectly. There's just there's ups and downs in every college uh, season. Uh, we've had some, some low moments. We've had some high moments. But, uh, you know, we got off to a good start, have some really good wins, one at the pit, one at Reno. Uh, you know, beat Reno here, beat Dayton here. And like you mentioned, Minnesota, Washington State, teams that we, we had on the schedule and in the non-conference and got off to a real good start. Then team hit a little adversity, and we, we struggled for a little bit. But uh, it, it was really good to see the guys finish the regular season on this note. Um, I think, you know, for the group that came, they've come together They've competed all year, uh, so for to end the regular season on a, on a high note, winning on your on your rivals' home court, uh, I think it's just it's good. They deserve it. They, you know, they absolutely deserve to feel good today and feel good going into the tournament.
0: Kevin, how do you prevent the uh, the, the the famous letdown? You have this unbelievable emotional game. You know, it, it, an emotional game with the loss to Utah State where everyone just got their heads down saying, man, you know, that is not who we are. And then to go out and prove that's who they, not who they are against Reno, how do you make sure you keep that intensity and keep that focus? Because you're coming up against an Air Force team that literally came down to a last-second putback for UNLV to win that game, and you learn something. Air Force, as you mentioned, you talked a lot about that in the press conference, a very unique unique team to play against and unless you've experienced it which these guys hadn't played maybe a team with that kind of tenacity that Air Force does can play with and like you said a lead against Air Force when they've got a lead of a a few points it can feel like 10 points you don't want to get too far behind this team how do you prevent this letdown and how do you prepare to make sure that you're not coming down to a last second shot against against Air Force.
1: Well, I think to, you you mentioned seeing them. Um, you know, Air Force is definitely a team that you want to. Uh, there is no way to to simulate it. Um, so there is a little bit of a, a, a positive start uh, in in terms of their prep, just because we know the guys saw them a week ago, or a week and a half, whatever it was. And so it can be somewhat fresh on their mind because the way they cut, the way they pass, um, as good as your guys, if you don't can be if you don't play that style in that system, you can't you can't give it a true look so uh so there's there's some good there but as for the you know the the you know coming off an emotional win we've uh, we, we've had some this year we've had some emotional wins and uh you know was, so luckily the the way the schedule we can kind of we don't have to get right back at it today in terms of being you know full you know prep and and live action and live repetitions we can take today watch some film uh talk uh you know do whatever we need to do without uh, trying to ramp them back up um, from a kind of a getting ready and, and physicality and, and, and energy standpoint, we can kind of take a little bit more of a mental day.
0: What is your message going to be to them? You take it a mental day, you get back into it, you get ready to play Air Force, but going into the Mountain West Conference Tournament, because as we know for every team, it's a clean slate now. Wins and losses don't matter. It's a one-and-done situation. It's the beginning of March Madness. You start with the playoff game against Air Force. You obviously do not want to look ahead of that game, but... The, the, the goal is to, to advance in this tournament and eventually get to the championship and win it. So what is your message to these guys, and what should we expect to see from UNLV when they take the court on Wednesday afternoon?
1: Well, I think the message is, you know, that you don't get anywhere by not talking about things. So obviously, you know, we know that we've gotta we got, a, we, we've got a, a tough road ahead to get to where we want to get to. But at the same time, I don't think any team's ever won it by looking at that that championship game of who might be there, who you might play, what has to have like this, that, or the other. I think, you know, lay your cards on the table. We've got a tough road ahead. Um, We've got a tough challenge, but it's been done before. And, and we, we, but we can't do it unless we focus all of our time and attention on air force. And then as soon as, you know, if we get that done, then we worry about what's next from there. We'll kind of get our, get our marching orders from there after that one. But you can't, as you know, and this this year's, I think even even more unique than last year in the Mountain West tournament, just in the in the sense of the the seeds matter even less. I think I think obviously San Diego State had an unbelievable year, uh, but I think from top to bottom, uh, the conference is without a doubt the best it's ever been. And I think any team that any team that looks past that first matchup. It, or that first game is uh, is either going to be in something they don't expect or potentially uh, slip up.
0: No question about it, Kevin. Who in the locker room besides yourself? Who amongst the players is the vocal leader of this team that goes in the locker room and pumps everyone up?
1: Uh, well, Webb's the most consistent. Uh, Jordan McCabe's right there with them. You know, there's just uh, they're the same exact guy every day. Uh, they, you know, you when you watch him play. If you watch last night's game, if you watched our fourth game of the year, you're going to see the same type of player. You're going to see the same teammate. Um, and that's something that it's not a knock on any, anybody else. Or, I mean, we've got a lot of great leadership and experience in that locker room, but uh, you know, and especially Webb. I don't know if I've ever been around a guy that's just not, he's just unfazed by bad um, or he's unfazed by frustration or struggles. He's uh he's positive. He's always got a, a, a great presence and a happy presence and a positive presence about him. And, uh, and you know, you, you need a lot of guys like Webb uh, in your program.
0: I could see, see that them. in post-game press conferences. I said, uh, one, of the, one of the coolest things I've seen a guy talking. of course E.J. Harkless, Harkless st- statistically the leader on this team, and a, a guy that you're going to count on to get in double digits, a guy you're going to count on to playing defense, and a guy you're going to count on not to turn the ball over as much as he did against Utah State. I think that was a little bit of an aberration. You don't usually see him do that. Last thing, Kevin, it's, it, it, the postseason aspirations. Obviously, you got one game to think about right now, and that's Air Force, and I do understand this. I've said that on the air that I believe, especially now after the Reno game, I think it's two wins to see a postseason tournament like the NIT, and again, we're just talking in advance, but the aspirations of these guys, I know it's to win the Mountain West Conference Tournament, take one game at a time and win it all, but but, um, how big would an opportunity to play in a postseason tournament be for you and for this team this year?
1: Well, it would be huge. I mean, we, we haven't we have not been into a postseason at UNLV in I believe 10 years. Yep, yep. Um, so anything, you know, the any postseason, ITN NCAA, whatever it would be, we, we would absolutely love to be a part of it. Um, but of course, you know, like, like I said, the, the, the goal is air force, uh, the, the vision, the, 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 you know, the challenge right now is air force and, uh, whatever comes of it comes of it. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, to just to, to your direct question of NIT, NCA, whatever it may be, that uh, uh, I think we would abs- we would absolutely love to to earn a right to continue to play.
0: It's Coach Kevin Krueger. They uh, his UNLV and Rebels tip off. I believe it is one thirty Wednesday afternoon against the Air Force Academy in the play-in game for the Mountain West Conference tournament. Coach, wish you the best of luck. We'll be out there Wednesday, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you guys continue to advance in this tournament.
1: All right, thank you.
0: Absolutely. Once again, Coach Kevin Kruger. appreciate him joining the show, and that's going to be followed up immediately by the coach of the Lady Rebels. And, uh, Spence, you can go ahead and hit fact Fact This. Fact This. If you don't like the
3: facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact This.
0: It's a fact. Last season, the UNLV women's basketball team won their first ever Mountain West Conference championship, and this season lost only two games, none, in the Mountain West Conference and are undefeated at home and are currently riding a 19-game winning streak into the Mountain West Conference tournament and are currently ranked number 22 in the country. They've been ranked number 22 for a minute now. I think that should go up a little bit against a team that uh, has 19 straight wins. This means barring a collapse or some bad misfortune, the Lady Rebels are looking to head back to the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row after not having been to the dance in 20 years. Joining us to talk about this year's team is the architect of the Lady Rebels, head coach Lindy LaRock. Lindy, appreciate you taking time out this morning to join the show. How are you?
4: Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Brian.
0: Thanks for having me. Oh no, we're looking forward to it. Uh, things things tip off for you guys Monday morning. The playing games actually start today. I'm going to try to catch a little bit of that on my way home from the show this morning. But I'm um, looking forward to it. I know everyone looking forward to the, the women's team this year. Just really, um, you know, have really come together. Last year, you saw the team kind of molding and becoming someone. You went to the NCAA tournament, not given much of a chance against the number four seed Arizona Wildcats, and you guys went in there and played a hell of a game and nearly beat them and probably like saying, hey, really? Number 13 seed? This year 28 wins, two losses, not one in the conference, not one at home. Um, you know, and again, you got to take one game at a time, and I know that is an adage in sports. Any one of us that have played have always said that way. Any time you talk to any coach about a, a game ahead of the one you're about to play, you're probably going to be on the bench for half the game you're about to play. I mean, you got to focus on that. But, Lindy, this is a team that really is geared for this tournament, for this conference, and to move beyond this. Let's just say if, this is hypothetically, this team goes and wins the Mountain West Conference Tournament, I would say you guys probably would expect a little better than a 13 seed this year.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would hope so. Um, You know, we know how many different factors go into uh, the seeding, and and the committee has such a tough job to do that. I mean, first and foremost, I'd just love to be in the the group for sure and not have to be, you know, waiting at our seat. But, um, you know, I would like to think that we're better than a 13 seed. Um, you know, but, you know, that's kind of out of my control and, and we'll be happy with, with whoever we play, but I think anything better than a 13 seed would give give us someone to play, not on their home court, which I think would be obviously helpful after, you know, playing Arizona last year on their home court in front of their 10,000 fans and really having them on the ropes. Um, We'd love to see someone on a neutral court um, and see what we can do.
0: No doubt about it. I think there's a lot that you can do, and this is a this is a team that can make some noise. Tremendously led team. You know, when you have a center like like Desiree Young, I mean that is about as good as it gets to have your center be your star player. Um, and and again, the play of Essence Booker in the backcourt has been tremendous as well. Lynn, what do you attribute this immediate success for? When you when you got hired a couple of years ago, you were the second youngest coach in in in, in women's college basketball. You get this opportunity. So early on and have immediate success again, not asking you to sit and toot your own horn, but what is the, what do you attribute to the success so quickly of this women's team?
4: Well, you know, obviously, I think it's a perfect storm of a lot of different things. Um, It starts, I think, with the institution and the resources. Um, You know, I think UNLV is a great place for me, obviously, being born and raised here in Las Vegas. It was a seamless transition, even during COVID, uh, uh, during some of the craziest times. Um, And I think the biggest thing, though, is people. Um, You know, from a staff standpoint, I was able to, you know, get my first round draft picks of everyone that I wanted in a staff Um, and we get along great. Uh, We have great chemistry. We have great culture. Um, and then to go along with the people as the players, um, and they count as our people too. Um, you know, obviously we were kind of given the team that we had, and uh, Desi was a part of that, so um, we're thankful for that. But then, you know, last year we had a lot of change in a, in a, in a different roster. Um, you know, you talk about Essence Booker. I think a lot of this vision that I had for the program doesn't doesn't happen without a steady, confident um really good point guard and that's what she was you know for us last year and that's what she's been you know her whole time with us so um the players make make me look like a really good coach um and they buy into what we're doing you know and and the culture that we've built um you know so uh you know obviously we had kind of the vision and the high expectation um and the standard to um have this be what we want it to be but you know it takes a lot of people you know, and and the right timing and all different kinds of things to really execute it and not just want it, but to have it actually come to fruition.
0: She is Lindy LaRock. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line, and uh, we are talking women's basketball at UNLV, a team getting ready as the number one seed. They won the regular season again in uh, the Mountain West, and they're getting ready to head into the tournament again Monday morning. Kind of disappointing that you got to play early Monday morning. So many people, you know, as far as people getting off work, like I said, I've already said I told uh, I'm going to be there Monday morning, but I know I'm like, wow, Monday morning. But regardless of that, um, tell me, what it is going to take for this team to make, not just to win the Mountain West Conference, but to actually go to the NCAAs and have a good tournament run. What do you think it's going to take?
4: I mean, to be honest, I think it's just going to take what we've been doing. You know, I know we started the conversation with taking one game at a time, but, um, you know, our kind of version of that has been, you know, our most important game of the year is our next one. And we've said that since December. And so, you know, it's one thing to say it, but like you said, it's another thing to buy into it and to believe it, to go out there and play like it. Um, And our team has, uh, as you can see by, you know, our conference record of, being unblemished like we approached and prepared every game regardless of the opponent that it was our most important game so you know we have good experience doing that and now that it is tournament time um now we are playing you know for all the marbles and all bets are off and um you know you've got to win one to get to the next one um you know so i think we have some re- really good practice and that approach already um and so it's just going to take that same commitment um and mindset and focus uh to go out there and and get the job done and then figure out who's next and keep it going.
0: Do you think uh you know obviously undefeated at home this year and it's supposed to be not considered home games even though it's played right there thomas and matt cox pavilion um how important is that to the girls to say wow you know guy, we're undefeated at home so this is our home court and is it still a matter of nobody comes into our house and pushes us around
4: sure you know absolutely obviously we do have a little bit of uh you know some competitive advantage just you know, we don't have to travel, right? You know, we, we put our team in a hotel just so that they can really uh, limit, di- you know, distractions and, and, you know, get a good night's sleep and stuff. But, you know, it's a place that we're familiar with. Um, we feel comfortable. Obviously, we're confident here. We're not playing in the Cox Pavilion, but, you know, we played a number of games in the Thomas and Mac. And we didn't lose those either, you know? So uh, we definitely have some good mojo in there. You know, winning last year, our team remembers that vividly um and and what that felt like so you know i think we've got a lot of good things kind of to chase after
0: you have to go back 19 games since your last loss to oklahoma state and that was a bad loss the loss to pacific was a close game that was a bad loss are you able to go back that far and use that game and maybe that film to say hey look this is us playing a power five conference team right now. And this is what we're going to face when we get into the tournament teams that, that play this level teams all the time. Are you able to use something like that going forward?
4: Um, I don't know if we'll necessarily draw from that game. I think that game, we we did get our butts kicked, frankly. Um, But our team had a number of injuries, that game that we, that we have recovered from and, you know, we have moved past. And so, you know, we faced just a lot of adversity in that game, just, being a different team uh since then obviously we found our groove um and we've got people healthy and we've got you know a great rotation so i don't know if we'll pull from that game you know in particular uh i think we might pull from our game last year though you know with arizona and just you know i think that might correlate a little bit more um you know for our players and you know we have mainly returners we only have you know two new players uh that that weren't at that game so um you know, I think that's more of the game that we'd pull from.
0: Last question to you, and again, don't want to give your opponents any juice, but um, if there is something that you could say, you are looking at a team that's won 19 games, 28-2 and two on the season, but what do you look and say, you know what, if this area is an area we could improve on and even be better?
4: Um, you know, I think each game presents a new challenge, you know, you can ask me after each game and I'll be like, we got to get better at this. <laughs> um, but, you know, I th- I think the scariest thing is we still haven't played like a, our our best. You know, I I look at our team and I'm like, you know, we're we're playing better and we're playing the best we have kind of, you know, at the right time, at this time of year, but I kind of look around our roster and the talent that we have and I'm like, man, if if two and three and four people get clicking at the same time, like, whoa, you know, we can, we can really be hard to stop, you know, for the most part, it's just been maybe one or two or maybe three players kind of that can have a good game together. And, you know, you can, you can beat some people with that, but um, you know, I think we just, we're focusing on just continuing to get better offensively to stay sharp um, and defensively just stay really disciplined. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is, um rebounding if we can if we can win the rebounding battle every single game in this tournament i think we'll be okay
0: uh it looks like they are poised to definitely make a run for the mountain west conference tournament championship again for a second straight year and it looks like they're poised to head back to the ncaa tournament she is lindy larac she is the head coach of the lady rebels they again tip off 11 a.m on Monday morning at the Thomas & Mac. Be out there, check them out, and support them. Uh, make that home court advantage exactly that, a home court advantage. Lindy, again, really appreciate you taking time this morning and joining the show, and best of luck to you. We're hoping to see you uh, make some moves in the dance this year.
4: All right, thanks, Brian. Well, once we go dancing, we'll connect again then.
0: Absolutely. Without, I, I look forward to talking to you after a long run in the tournament again on the show. Once again, Lindy LaRock, we appreciate her. Appreciate Kevin Kruger taking time out Is that we are on um, the heels of the uh, – the what Mountain West Conference tournaments taking place in the Mountain uh, Thomas and Mac again the women's tournament the buy-in games or I should say the play-in games start this morning and this afternoon so check them out all kinds of things going on and um, you know real quick Spencer I want to get your your take UNLV alumni as Chris is um, is it exciting to see you know one of the UNLV basketball teams uh, have success like this it is it's pretty cool when you look at a team that went undefeated at home twenty eight and two on the season we haven't seen something like that since. Like 1990, when the men's team was doing it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Brian. I didn't get to see it when I was there. I got to see UNOV get bounced in the first round against Boise State in the Mountain West tournament. That's what I got to see when I was going to UNOV. So I'm really excited uh, for the success of this team and the Lady Rebels. I like that there's been a lot of buzz around the team. And that's the thing I think that gets washed under the rug is that if there's a team that's successful at UNOV, people are going to go support it. I think it's just been the lack of success that has been the biggest problem when it comes to backing the Mac as we like to say.
0: No, I agree with you 100% and Chris, I'll ask you uh, before we, we hit it off the air the UNLV men's team, we've seen some games together. Um, I'm going to say I, at times I have been overly critical. I don't know overly critical, but I've been critical the beginning of the season during the 10-game 10 10 winning streak. You know, I saw some things I liked, but I saw a lot of things I didn't like that worried me and those things really came to the forefront as the season went on. Uh, I don't think there is anybody out there except maybe somebody with brain damage and maybe other than in the UNLV locker room that believed they were going to go into Reno and beat Steve Alford, a team that hadn't lost at home all season. Although they just lost that bad game to Wyoming on the road, you thought, man, that's going to have them fired up and UNLV's going to be in trouble. I predicted a double-digit loss. I'm glad to say that I was way wrong, but what do you think going forward? Well, it's
3: it's obviously been an, an up-and-down, tumultuous season, uh, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Uh, obviously, the lowest of the low being against Utah State just last week. Uh, one of the worst losses I've seen a UNLV team have in a long, long time. But, Brian, if there's anything that I've taken away from this Mountain West season, it's that I'm expecting the unexpected this week at the Thomas and Mac. I don't know who's going to win that thing. Obviously, San Diego State is the favorite. But I, I, I would not be surprised if someone else won it someone in the 5 to 6 range
0: like New Mexico. Yeah, New Even Mexico the team, yeah. Yeah,
3: I mean we'll, we'll see Brian. I mean they've kind of laid an egg the last part of the season, but uh you know, right now expect the unexpected and and how about San Jose
0: State? Yeah, you know, another team, but I'll say this. UNLV postseason tournament, it's going to take two wins. They beat Air Force. They beat Boise State, who would be their next appointment, They get in to the NIT tournament. That's what they're shooting for if we're being realistic you know, and saying that they can do it. Uh, listen, I'm Brian Feldman. I want to thank Chris Chapman for working the wheels of steel. Spencer, the Wiz Ostrovsky in the green room taking care of everything. of course, Kevin Kruger and Lindy LaRock for joining the show. We'll be back next week.